WeWork. Did you know that the Smodcast offices are in WeWork in Los Angeles? Man, there was a time when I first got in this business, I was like, we need an office. And an office is really just a clubhouse. It's where you go hang out and stuff. You, you know, the older you get, the more you tend to work from home. Because who wants to go through the expense of putting down money on a, de- a deposit and a first and last month, and then you're paying monthly and stuff like that on a big office? We don't do that anymore, man. It's a waste of money. You know what we do now? We go to WeWork, son. I love WeWork. Smodcast set up at WeWork, man. That's where Jordan Monsanto goes to work every morning. WeWork is phenomenal. Not 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 only is it an inexpensive way to have your own office, it's a fun way. You're surrounded by other businesses. When we opened the VSQ offices in Red Bank, you know who was across the hallway from us? The language school. When you're at WeWork, you know who's around us? Other movers and shakers. Anna Ferris has her podcast there, man. Uh, all sorts of business are right there at WeWork. They got this collegial atmosphere, man, where everyone's together in the same space and, and you can network and meet people who don't necessarily work in your business, but they could be helpful to your business, man. I have loved uh, being at WeWork. I love the food bar that got set up. I love the bar bar that got set up, man. I just love the setup. I love being around the people and whatnot. You will too, man. Do you want an office? Like if you've never thought about having an office, WeWork is the way to think about it, man. You don't have to put up tons of money and you can have your own workspace surrounded by like-minded individuals man you want to go to a we work location man and check it out become a member for heaven's sakes man have your own space it's pretty damn uh convenient they got 270 locations around the world man and the place is growing fast they got buildings in vancouver atlanta poland australia come on man like anywhere you could work we work is there uh, to get 20% off at WeWork. You go to my page at we.co slash Kevin. We.co slash Kevin, K-E-V-I-N. That's we.co slash Kevin. And uh, inquire about it. They're going to give you 20% off. 20% off on an office is a lot of money, man. Uh, you want to be professional? You want to feel professional? Get a WeWork office, man. That's what we did. I feel like a grown-up. WeWork. When it's time for lunch, you can pick up a spoon or grab your fork buddy and dig into a Nuna. It's Nuna with Dan and Marty. If you never had a Nuna, well, there's no sooner way. Just bend over at the middle in the middle of the day. It's a Nuna. It's a Nuna with Marty and Dan. What? Well, it's Oh, John? Yeah. Yeah. Where's Dan? Dan Dan is on set, probably. Why doesn't he come in Uh, the morning? He he doesn't care. He doesn't care? Yeah. He's um, got his name all over this thing. I know. He's back in town. I know. He's back in town. I know town. he's making more Veronica Mars for the marshmallows. But he hasn't called us. Right, exactly. What, or or what, has he called you? Well, uh, he invited me. He invited. Did you go to his birthday party? I did go to his birthday party. I, I somehow missed it completely. And I got the. Uh, I found the invitation somewhere oh. in my mailbox. And I was like, oh, I could have gone to that. Yeah. we. I mean, I, I didn't see you there. No. <laughs> And we talked, I talked about it on the show in the sort of like a circuitous way because you were sitting across from me and I was like, why wasn't John there? I was really fun. No, I, yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. Yeah. There's uh, also, it's, it, it's, it was in the valley, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was that's, at Rob Thomas's house. That's another thing that I, that goes on in my head that I'm, I'm Going trying to, to examine valley. my, my oh, prejudices. So we were just talking about, um, I dismissed your, your point about, he was making fun of the fact that I put a cover on my car. No, I was actually not. I was, oh. I was, I was, I was examining my, your judgment, my own judgment about that. It's a very good idea. 
but I see it as pretentious. Well, but then that's because I I see things like having uh, taking care of things as pretentious. But now as I've gotten older, I've realized that that's stupid. Well, I can tell you, I I had a Honda Fit before that, and I thought, okay, it's a very inexpensive car, so I'm mm-hmm. not going to worry about it. Mm-hmm. And then ten years later, when it was sitting out every day, it mm-hmm. just looks beat up. Yeah. And it's because it's outside. Like my wife gets, she gets to park her car in the garage, and her car is, is just as old, and it looks great. Mm-hmm. So, and she was making fun of me for my car or mocking That's me. That's mean. It's yeah, mean. She's, 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 she's mean. a cruel, cruel person. Well, she's she's your your wife. That's her job, I, right? I, as far as I I know, that's and part she of um, the un, unspoken vows of marriage, right? And so Love, the new car, and make the fun of new your car I got is a Toyota Corolla. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's. I, I don't know if that's a step up. It was, but it, it was not a, a very expensive car in the, the grand scheme of things. But I figured I'll spend forty dollars on a cover and put it on, so my wife will stop mocking me. I think a fit to a Corolla is not quite a full step up. No, it's a half, it's a step. half step. Yeah, up. yeah. It's a it's a it's a fit sharp. Yeah, exactly. Yes. That's yep, very good. Uh, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Smogo Internet Good morning show podcast called or Nooner. Good afternoon, or whenever you might be listening to this uh, in the middle of the night. Yeah, JP, where do you listen from? Um, Tyson is up north, and we've got Evan from Roseville. Uh, I, I will ne- never stop saying Evan from Roseville, California, because that's just, where is Roseville? Anybody it's know? Just uh, out, just outside of Sacramento. Oh, okay. Yeah, like I, I don't know where that is. Still, you. How long have you lived in California? A long. I really, I don't know where like Diamond Bar is. You well, know, well, I don't. I don't really. I'm not clear where Pomona is, and I go there every week. Yeah, yeah. I bet. I bet you've seen signs for Diamond Bar. Or, yeah, I, I certainly have. At some or you've point, you've seen the in my shape life. of diamonds, and then. But that was a, a gone ski to bars, re- a ski resort. Yeah. I, I, so is Diamond Bar in Vermont? It is. It's a very steep hill in, on a very steep hill in Vermont. Excellent. With lots of moguls. Oh, moguls. Yes. Yeah. Like like Hollywood moguls. Hollywood film moguls. I knew you were going to do that. So is it is it in Hollywood or is it in Vermont? Is it a bump? How was your Thanksgiving? Uh, it was wonderful. I went to a friend's house uh-huh. and uh, we had a very wonderful time and didn't have to clean up or cook. Oh, that's good. Yes, it's fantastic. It was great. We had a wonderful time. I uh, went David Barron's house. Oh, David Barron's house. Yeah. Where does he live? Uh, he lives uh, in um in near West LA Larch, Larchmont. Larchmont. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah. He, there's a name for it, but I keep on calling it Hancock, Hancock Park. Park. Is that what it is? Yeah, Hancock. It Park. is. Yeah. I think I always think. See, I don't know where anything so, is. So Dave Barron was um he was. The original business director of the theater, yeah, of Sacred Fools Theater well, that we all started together. Not quite original, but he he came in, yeah, very quickly. And he was like a the voice of reason for many years there. Yeah, he's always been the voice of yes. reason. Yes, and now he's he, very reasonable. And now he's a big executive at Hulu. He's so a big deal at Hulu. He he figured it out. He's like theaters for chumps. Yeah. Well, by he, the way, my play opens in two weeks. Oh, fantastic! Chump. Yeah. Uh, Oh, thanks yeah. for the the postcard. Let me put that where I put most of my postcards. Yeah. Wait, that's in your butt. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm gonna put this in my pocket and find it in four months. Right after after <laughs> it's long gone. After it's been you washed. Can look at the times. other side. Okay. Yeah. This is gonna be fantastic. My brother just watched this. Okay. The, Some, somehow is, the the Star Wars holiday the Star Wars special. holiday special, um, and he. So what happened was. Uh, there, there was a great video store in Portland, Maine called Videoport, 
And I guess it went out of business because uh, they gave all of their collection to... Are are you okay? Okay, when I do stuff off mic, that is meant to be off mic. Oh, okay. Okay. I thought you were going to hawk a loogie across your own house. I was was sick all all during Thanksgiving. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, That's okay. So my brother got... got, uh, my, My niece got this, the holiday special from the library, which shouldn't technically be possible right because it doesn't exist in the in a commercial format right so but it was at this weird video store that was a little bit like vidiots remember vidiots in in uh, santa monica that's not there anymore is it no i don't think so yeah i mean all great video stores along with all video stores lame video stores all video stores have gone out of business yeah which is too bad except oh there's a blockbuster in bend oregon there is there's one last blockbuster Wow. Bend, Oregon, yeah. Why, is it just going to stay there? Sort of like... Uh, I, I think so. I, you know, what else are you supposed to do in Bend when there's no snow? I don't know. I guess fishing. There's yeah. a, you know, there's a, uh, near my house is the original uh, Fat Burger. And they, they actually preserved it. They built a, a, an apartment building and they, they preserved the Fat Builder, uh, Fat Burger shack. Th- this is a, a local uh, franchise. Yes, the... the Try a fat burger when you're way out west. Yeah. Because I eat White Castle because it's the best. Oh. I'll try a fat burger when I'm way out west. That's a Beastie Boys. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, this is exciting. Are you excited? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, it opens in two weeks? Mm-hmm. It or, seems like that's a long... You've been talking about this for really It's been a long, long rehearsal. It's, it's a tough... It's a very tough production. It's it's uh, pretty demanding. And, uh, original comedy about the worst variety show in the galaxy. Really awful. I mean, my 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 brother was watching it, and he just said, "I can't, I can't." You can't, I can't believe it. You can't watch it. It's really, really hard. Like I, I have to do a bunch of research, on it and I can't get through it. Yeah, you know? it's just amazingly bad. I mean, it's not. I mean, just the <clears throat> idea you do a, a Christmas special about Star Wars it sounds like a, right after it came out sounds really like a dumb idea. But then what they did with it. Is just astonishing. It's like they took every bad idea that the Sunnings share, uh, and uh, Donnie and Marie, and yeah. And all so those for those of you who haven't seen it, they, there's the all the stars in it are uh, were like. See, I, I notice I'm just gliding past that. You know, um, all I'm the original sick right now. Oh come on! You just had a cold. Uh, May the force be Arthur. That's very yeah, good. so all the original stars are in it. Like they're contractually obliged to be in it. Like um, you know, Mark Hamill and Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher, and um, everybody but Kenny Baker was in it. Uh, and well, then they had R two D two. I know, but it was done by remote control. Well, most of that was done by I remote know, control. But, he didn't do very much. I don't he, think. He, I don't think he added a lot of personality to. It. I've always wondered, like, why do we revere Kenny Baker so much? He was just. A guy. I don't revere Kenny Baker. I, well, I actually worship him secretly, but I, you're not supposed to know that. <laughs> uh, but they also had B. Arthur, Art Carney, uh, Harvey Corman. These are all these people from like. You know, the early days of television, the golden age of television, mm-hmm. and and they uh, all should have known better. Diane Carroll. Well, and then like uh, you got Bruce Valanche was a writer on it, uh, who's you know just one of these hack writers from the seventies. Not hack. I mean, he's a funny mm-hmm. guy, but of that sort of sticky sort of uh, generation of comedy. Well, he yeah, and he apparently wrote like all the Oscars, which it's yeah. funny. Until I just said that out loud, I always sort of thought, well, he was great. 
The Oscars are terrible. <laughs> yeah. And well, Pat Proft was one of the writers who ran, ended up writing with the, the Zazz guys on, you know, for like Airplane and those, that whole uh-huh. genre of, of comedy. So there was a great pedigree of, of talent in, in there, but it just wasn't necessarily the proper place for those people, you know? Well, I, I, I don't know. Uh, I'll tell you. So the story basically is that Chewbacca has to go back to uh, his home planet for Life Day. Wait, wait, cash it? Cash it? Cash it? Yeah. That's the name of the planet. It's- um, so, and, uh, so it's about family and sort of about Christmas. And that little story is not actually completely awful. It's more the variety show stuff well, that's in between. They, it's a two-hour special. It I is? Uh, I believe so. It, it's 90 minutes or two hours. Yeah. Uh, it feels like seven. Mm-hmm. And yes. so they have a lot of filler in there, including a, a, a cartoon and uh, a really shitty, shitty cartoon. And there's a dance that I, I, I told uh, my, my brother was watching, and he said, oh, this is, this is he was on Facebook, and he said, this is unbelievably awful. And I said, well, wait for the dancing. That's and then at the end, he says, well, I, we didn't notice any dancing. And I said, well, that's because you didn't think of it as dancing. There's it was a, the Wazon troupe. Oh, and, really? And that's the like the precursor to Cirque du Soleil. I think. Yeah. Yeah. It has it has uh, the feeling of like uh, if if we were better and um, actually choreographed it, this will turn into Cirque du Soleil someday. <laughs> but not yet. Not yet. <laughs> not, not ready for prime time. No, it's sort of a weird ballet slash modern dance slash acrobatic thing. Right. That, that was is taking- just completely out of but- context. Tape put in the the little holographic thing that they you know played chess on in, in yeah. uh, the first uh, Star Wars, and then Wars. they do a dance for like five minutes. It's uh, like not to those... mention that there's like a twenty minute stretch of no dialogue of just like, yeah. and, but actually they don't even do that because they just go. Yeah. It's it's spectacular. Yeah. So, uh, but I, we we start every show and. Please join in uh, on the conversation, Nuna Podcast, at, uh, on the Twitter or Nuna Podcast at gmail.com. I think the mail sack is, well, we'll see. And I think, uh, we, I think what we need, uh, Marty, is okay. we have to spark some controversy so that we go viral. I, I don't, I, I'm already getting over my virus right now. So oh, I, you don't want to go too, more too viral? Soon. Oh, okay. How uh, was your Thanksgiving? Okay. I, oh, I'm, you want to start with the news? Yeah. Oh God! I know there. There's the so many things to be rageful about, but let's not rageful. Le- Why be rageful? Oh, right, right, Marty. exactly. So, but let's not because they all they all involve the the president. And and let's take a look, brief look, just the president a, a, of what? A brief look without anger in our hearts, and we can just marvel at the absurdity of it all. And this oh, is just in the past idea. couple of days. Yeah, sure. So l- last night at his or yesterday at a speech in Mississippi, he continued. He continues to say the Mueller investigation is a witch hunt. Mm-hmm. Despite multiple indictments, and there are three people in prison right now, um, so that's that's one thing. Okay, and then well, Marty, I, can I oh, just say oh, that witch hunts actually resulted in prosecutions and, and deaths. Uh, deaths. Okay. So you know, all right, all right. That, that's fair. You are absolutely correct. Or so, wait, um, if if it, if she floats, she's a witch. If she burner, if she sinks and drowns, oh, sorry, no, she wasn't a witch. I guess. Uh, uh, Hmm. Um, so he said that also that he was a wizard of American manufacturing yesterday. 
Oh, he did? He's, yeah, he said He's that. He's a wizard a of wizard. American manufacturing. manufacturing. Uh, and this is on the day that GM, in part because of what they said is uh, the, the tariffs, are they eliminating 15,000 jobs. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's just like the, these two things are happening at once, and you're like, only one of these things can be true, you know? Um, and he also said that, let's see, they asked him about tear gassing children at the border, and he said, the U.S. doesn't tear gas children. And th- this is the day that there's like video footage of the U.S. lobbing tear gas from the U.S. into Mexico we're, to tear gas Central American refugees, breath, including men, Remember, women, and it children. Without rage. No, just it's it's marveling at the absurdity. Ah, look because at that. these people dared funny? to come here to to seek asylum, to mm-hmm. seek, yes, and and then he also uh, on Friday they on Black Friday they the administration published this climate report. Have you heard? Mm. You've heard oh yeah, of this? course. Yes, and because they thought, okay, well we'll just bury it. It was due to come out in December, but they were mm-hmm. like, okay, what's well, what's the slowest news day, news day of the year? Mm-hmm. Uh, the slowest news day is always a Friday. What's the, the slowest news day would probably be Black Friday when everyone's at the malls. Did you go to the mall? I did not go to the mall. Uh, I don't think, no. I don't remember. <laughs> I, I don't, I avoid going out, but apparently the malls were not full of people. They yeah, were, people are shopping online these days. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so like, oh, we're all waiting in line to get our $50 widescreen TV. Like, they published a 1,600-page report and it said that global warming is a huge threat to our existence. And by the end of the century, we could suffer a 10% loss in GDP, which is like hundreds of billions of dollars. Um, not to mention like the environmental devastation. And when asked about it, Trump said, I don't believe it. Mm-hmm. And to give some context. Okay, now this is where I, this is what I really want to focus on. Is like, this is a report that was mandated by Congress. It yeah. wasn't like, it wasn't George Soros who who published it this is congress are you sure uh, exactly oh apparently shoot, he's behind everything uh and it was had to go through 13 different government agencies uh, approvals so it, mm-hmm. it there's a lot of bureaucracy that went into making this thing happen mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and a bunch of scientists who worked on it who were not paid any money to do it but it was just the, the work that they do well, they they just want to undermine uh, uh, business. Uh, and is that what it they is? They hate freedom. That's what it is. Yeah. Okay, because scientists uh, generally hate freedom. Right. This is part of their way to control the it's masses. It's part of the hypoc- hypocritical oath. Well, Rick Santorum was on uh, record saying that Santorum. I, that's a word in the dictionary. Now. Yeah. Look it up. Yeah. Look it up, people. Yeah. It's a um, frothy mix of. No, let's not talk about okay. it. I, we don't want to go viral. <laughs> okay, well, yeah, just look it up, people. It's a frothy mix of something. Um, but he said that uh, these scientists were out there to make money because they're... <laughs> he literally said that. He literally said that, like, this. there's a lot of big money that's motivating these scientists to, to say these things. What? That's so ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it, it's true. And by the way, when Rick Santorum was in Congress, he took three quarters of a million dollars from oil and gas companies. So he's not under any influence. And I mean, imagine, like, these scientists get paid, like, very little money. Well, compared like, to how much it costs to get you, to where they are. Right. If you have, a, how if you hard have that they bigger work. brain and your goal is to make money, the last thing you're going to do is research on climate change. Right. I mean, like being a climate 
scientist? I mean, you know, unless you're on the side of big oil, it doesn't right. pay that well. So who are you going to believe? The guy who's in bed with the Saudis and is obsessed with like oil and, and making money or a bunch of scientists who have like, you know, just nerds who are in front of their 10-year-old computers. Well, I'm going numbers. to believe the person who says things that are in line with what I already believe. So that I don't right. have to learn anything. Right. That's what I'm going to do. So I believe everything in that climate report. Now let me challenge a couple things. Okay. Okay. So because I, I do, we do, we'll get back to this, but okay. So so Trump apparently what he said was I don't believe it when he talked about the he said it's a serious report I think and then he went on to say I don't believe it when it had to do with the economic impact. Right. Now let me just say this the. E- uh, figuring out the economic impact of almost anything in the long term is extremely difficult because, and, and it's almost always wrong. And that's because a- a- economic impact does not take into account the fact that the, that, uh, the capitalist system is incredibly adaptable. Right. And so it will have this huge impact, but there will also be, um, uh, things that develop as a response to that impact. And that's one of the things that con- conservatives don't understand on a basic level. Like one of the great things that I thought um, that Clinton talked about, President Clinton, was if you add regulation that that uh, protects the environment, what that leads to is innovation. That's the word I was looking for, innovation. Right. So you ha- now you have this, this giant... Um, impact of of uh of a changing climate and what that's going to lead to all kinds of innovation because it's going like for instance we have this problem with water now desalinization and tech desalinization technology exists this is turning salt water into drinkable water right so for instance it it could be possible and it's I, an incredibly in with the current technology it's an incredibly energy-intensive right. uh, tasks. So they built a whole <laughs> desalinization plant in uh, like 10 years ago in Santa Barbara, mm-hmm. and it never started like, right. uh, because it was too expensive to, to run it. Right. And, and solar energy, uh, similarly, has not really advanced. Right. So right. It's, it's just always just like every year, it's like a half percent more efficiency. You know? battery, battery technology has not, has not advanced progressed. as much as, uh, as people predicted. But... All of these things, there might be a tipping point. There might be a point where the climate change leads to this whole thing being economically viable. It could be that that we're one um, scientist away, one good idea away from making solar energy incredibly efficient. It it starts with acknowledging the science. And so if 13 agencies and... 95% 95% of the scientists are saying this is the science and the policymakers are like I don't believe it. What then he you're, again Marty what gonna... he said was he didn't believe the economic impact. Right. Well, and I'm saying that he he might but, not not because he knows what he's talking about, but he might have a point if you look at the way things. I mean, when I was a kid in the 1970s, everybody thought I mean, the 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 the, the general opinion was that the population bomb was going to destroy us all and by 1985 we'd all be starving to death right no that that was uh what's the guy's name 
I don't uh, remember. Yeah, but yeah, that was a big thing. But that was the big innovation there was a fertilizer and and industrial farming. Yeah. yeah. Well, and also my so in junior high school, my social studies teacher said, "You are the first generation of Americans." who will probably not have as good a quality of life, an improved quality of life. This is the first time it's happened. That didn't come true, in part because of international trade. And, and part- online porn. <laughs> so, But like Rex Tillerson, who was the Secretary of State and was the head of ExxonMobil, he, um, he is on record. He said, I acknowledge that, that when he was working for Exxon, said like, Global warming is an issue or climate change is a man-made climate change is happening. Mm-hmm. And his solution was what you're saying. It was like, we will innovate our way out of it. But you can't innovate if you don't acknowledge. Like, so he's saying it's a problem and we should do something about it or we will do something about it. But we can't do it. It's like, it's like waiting, you know, I'm going to keep smoking. And then when I get cancer, then I'll do something about it. Mm-hmm. But if you say you know what, let's cut down on smoking, let's stop smoking, and also, but if you never get sick, then you, you never know if the smoking was bad for you, you know? Yeah, well, I, I guess what I'm saying is that the the um, will the world end in fire or the world will end in ice? There's some Robert Frost poem that starts that way. And Oh, whatever, Yale. So so the uh, my... My contention is just that we, it's really very, very hard to figure out what's actually going to happen. The unintended consequences, like you look at the news this week, right? You have a bunch of people, and those people at the border, the people who they shot tear gas at, they were rushing the border, right? There were people, there were tons of other people who were there to seek asylum who were right. really pissed off that these people, mostly young men, right? Um, and there, I'm sure there were some kids there, but there's mostly young men who were just throwing rocks at very well-armed people across the border, right. which is a dumbass thing to sure, do. Sure, sure. So, uh, yes. that, so that happened, and then you have this climate change report that came out on Black Friday to bury it, which actually brought more attention yeah. to it probably. Yep. And then you have the landing it on, on Mars, which is incredible. And then you have this Chinese scientist who has... Um, spliced in, spliced in. We using CRISPR yeah. has has created genetically altered Twins. human beings, right? Yeah. Now, it, of all those stories, which is going to be the one in forty years that's going to have the biggest impact? Nobody knows. Really, you can't tell. And, and I can tell you which one: <laughs> climate change. Climate change. Totally. So the the thing about the climate. I, I think that you could, I mean, well, I can imagine a world where CRISPR has completely destroyed the world accidentally. Uh, yeah. Or maybe on purpose. I mean, there's lots of people who are uh, yeah, I mean, suicidal, CRISPR, suicidally angry. Yeah. In, it's, it's mostly mostly they're, they're suicidally angry because no, you're, you're right. they're, re, they're highly religious. So cr- they, CRISPR is, a, is a, a gene editing technique that is very, very accessible. Uh, a lot of, you know, Back when I was studying biology, like doing anything genetic was incredibly tedious and slow, and and you, you just didn't have many tools. And this is a very when did you study biology for like half a year? <laughs> because your parents are doctors, yeah, had to, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Go, you go to bio camp, okay, mom? Um, no. Um, Okay, yeah. yeah. So, in, but Chris, so there, CRISPR, you know, CRISPR was invented by viruses. Yeah. <laughs> it's so simple. But 
I have to also say, one of my favorite things about CRISPR, I don't know exactly what it stands for, and you, you're probably going to look it up because you have a computer, but I know that the P in, 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 in stands for palindromic. Oh. Because it's, it goes it's backwards, backwards and forwards. And forwards yeah. it's, it's wonderful. Um, and R, the R stands for repeating. Oh, yeah. And the C stands repeating. for Christian. And the I stands for international. But who knows what the R stands for? We'll never know. No, the, the R stands for repeating. The other R? No, the well. There's several R's. Oh, it. I see. It's repeating, repeating. Oh my God, it's brilliant. Uh, it's palindromic. Yes. So, and you can't tell. Like, like uh, the example that I like to bring up a lot, and I probably have brought up here, is is if you read older science fiction, Philip K. Dick or Isaac Asimov or Heinlein, which I have in the past. Um, they're all, there's tons of scenes where they're, they're flying around in their flying car searching for a payphone. Right. You know? So you have like no... Nobody's, nobody saw the, the cell phone. Nobody. Yeah, yeah. Nobody oh, before the smart, saw... Let alone the smartphone. The, the, uh, the, the robotic uh, rule, the laws of, of robotics, which uh, Isaac Asimov put into his series about uh, iRobot and all the robot stories... Um, all those things were based on robots made out of vacuum tubes. Right. I mean, and, and they were... They, and they hydraulic did, joints. Yeah. Must not kill human. One of, I mean, if you look at the uh, the most recent uh, edition of Scientific American, is about the, the 10 um, innovations. Uh, innovations. And I haven't read it yet, but the, one of uh, the... the yeah, just make a conclusion. Make a conclusion? You want to get to something else? No, no, about the 10 innovations I, uh, that you haven't read. No, it's fun to draw conclusions about things we don't have well, actually read. Well, I just forgot what I was going to say. Oh, good. So there was something at the end which was interesting. but Oh, uh, it was quantum computing. Uh, they're finally being don't able, understand. Well, uh, they're, they're finally being able to write um, programs for quantum computers, and that's going to have a gigantic impact because it will uh, allow problems that were previously completely insoluble or unsolvable, is that the same thing? Sure. Um, to now be solved. And it might be that they can say, like for instance, if we could be as efficient in solar energy as plants are. Right. And plants apparently, uh, what do they call it when plants turn things into? Photosynthesis. Photosynthesis. Photosynthesis relies on some kind of quantum effect. Okay. And that's as far as I know about it. I I read uh, you know, Scientific American and I don't understand half of it. So I read Deepak. Chopra and I understand everything about quantum mechanics. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, I'm sure that he knows. Oh yeah, mm. he, every other word that comes out of his mouth is quantum. So ah, know, yeah, uh, it's a way of like hiding mysticism or or, or sort of legitimizing legitimizing mysticism because you're like, well, no, that's not the same thing as quantum mechanics. Well, well how, I, there's how can another you say? thing. How can you say? It's right. Well, entanglement is nuts. I mean, oh, that's the other word he says. Yeah. Well, quantum entanglement is just it. It makes you realize that the world is completely different than what we actually experience. Right. Yeah. On a in a in a way that may not make any difference at all. Uh, I, it's <laughs> right. Exactly. That's, no, that's the thing. It's fun to think about, but you can't let it affect your day to day. It's sort of like free will. It's like. Yeah, free will probably doesn't exist, but that doesn't mean I'm just going to sit there and just do nothing. Like you have to go on with the illusion that you have free will. Why? Why do you think that free will doesn't exist? Because you believe we live in a, a mechanistic in, uh, universe in which every if you knew every variable, you'd know exactly what was going to happen next. Or do you believe in God? Oh no, there's I, a plan. No, I just feel like our brain is just full of chemicals that are reacting. It's a sack of boiling chemicals that 
swashes back and forth yeah. from one thing to the other. Right. And everything that we think or every opinion that we have and every action that we take is is we we justify it, we back justify it, but it actually comes from just a bunch of gook. Yeah. We're 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 as predictable as a, a coyote or, or an amoeba or a piece of snot. So that's how that's how what I believe and it doesn't serve me to to dwell on that, you know, because then it's paralyzing, you know. So I just go on with the illusion of free will. And that, mm. I think that's part of our psychology is that we, we believe we have free will. So it's... it's. But anyhow, that's a whole different discussion. Um, Why can't we have that discussion? We have to go to the no, news? Because we have I'm, to keep... I'm, oh, you have a list of things? No, I just wanted to make my one fucking point. Oh, about, I'm sorry. I, about, I didn't realize you had a point. Jesus. <laughs> Nobody does. Whoa, shit. Maybe I don't. Maybe I, my, the point is I just love to hear myself talk. You think you have a point, but it's actually just, just a bunch of chemicals. Boiling chemicals just boiling swirling chemicals. in my go brain. Ahead. Let, let yourself go there with your boiling chemicals. <laughs> just let them spew. Splosh. Oh, I'll, 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 I'll add the sound effects of you thinking. Okay. I got nothing. Yeah. Um, your brain heard hurt itself. Yeah, and it was just, it shut blew down. a fuse. Or bl- Maybe that's why people like that kind of I whatever it's called. It's a weird noise because it reflects your thinking. AMDR or whatever. ASMR. ASMR. So, uh, we're gonna have a problem with with climate change, and we have to. We will engineer as things get worse. We will come up with some solutions but the things will get worse before they get better mm-hmm. i mean i think we can all agree that that that's true mm-hmm. so my question is and i pose this to everybody listening like just email us or tweet at us like what do you do to cope with the inevitable inevitability of widespread climate change and i know that like we have listeners in northern california where there's like the threat of wildfires are huge uh, I hope you guys are all safe and what are you doing here you and then what, the do you, hills what here. do you do in your daily life to, to affect I'm looking out your window and there's a big bush there. What are you going to do about that? You could catch on fire here. Sure. And we, we did have a fire like just uh, last year. Just like we were loaded up the car with... Oh, you did? Yeah. yeah was we, it in Griffith Park or something like no, that? It was or? just right... Like right... It was out on your front hundred, porch? You're pointing, it, you're pointing yeah. at me? Was it here? Yeah. yeah it was in a this couple chair? A couple hundred yards away and it was just like the the flames were just like 30 feet high and we were just all just like petrified. Yeah. It was like, load up the car, we're going to get out of here. And yeah. then, then they, these helicopters came in, knocked it out in like three splooshes. And then I went back the next day and uh, it was maybe, you know, five acres of burnt. Yeah. As opposed to hundreds of thousands of acres, which is, I can't even in picture how terrifying that must be just because mm-hmm. this was petrifying. Yeah. But, like, do you do anything? Like, you know, like, we are all complicit. Like, we, in sort of our contributions to climate change and, and because we don't like to be inconvenienced and we live in a, a, a very uh, carbon, uh, wasteful environment. Um, so, like, you know, it would be much more ecologically wise for me to ride my bike or take the bus to rehearsal tonight, but it would take me an extra 40 minutes either way. So there's... I'm probably not going to do that. Well, I wouldn't ride a bike up the hill to your house. Oh, well, I have an on a bat. I have an electric bike, so. Oh, you cheater! You yeah, dirty, dirty. I'm a cheater. dirty cheater. So, and like, what you know, it's a big pain in the ass. So I'm, I'm probably going to drive. I'm probably going to 
try to get my wife's car fixed and take her car. So what does it take to overcome that? Like there's inconvenience. Yeah. Like, I mean, I do, I dry my laundry on clotheslines and it's actually become like a, a ritual that I enjoy. It's there sort of meditative as I like, you know, hang laundry and do you gossip with the neighbor? I, yeah. <laughs> Can you believe that he, he was in there for 20 minutes and I swear they weren't talking. <laughs> um, I we have we I'm just going to be really 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 snotty. We have solar panels on our house, oh. and we have an electric car. Yeah, oh, so that's great. Take that, smoke it. Did you, did motherfucker? You, did does it cover everything? Like, does it co- charge your car and run your house? I don't know. <laughs> do you pay? Do you have to pay the the power company? Yes, we do. Because <laughs> what we did, we we got the solar, and then it got really hot, and we just started using air conditioner that we never ever did before. Right. But hey, we got now, solar panels. Now, yeah, now our bills are uh, through the fucking roof. It's just a nightmare. Yeah, yeah. So the, there it is. Like it's hard to overcome that. The the we we like our conveniences, and I mean, there's propaganda that you can do that. Like for instance, with the stupid straw thing, you know, like um, <sighs> the the only reason we care is because somebody posted a video of a giant turtle with a straw stuck in its nose, and they yanked it out, and the turtle lived. And after that. Like and it turned out chains. that turtle, you know, did you hear the, the backstory on that? That turtle was just at a frat party Co- before. Snorting coke? Yeah. Yeah. Um, turtle frat party. <laughs> it's a thing. Look it, it up. Yeah, absolutely. It's real. But now restaurant chains and municipalities are starting it's to ban. It's one of those things that the are, fake news is trying not going to talk ban about. ban plastic straws. And just because of the turtle's... And the turtle frat is the turtle frats are pissed. Yeah, how are they gonna? They, they can't roll up. They don't have opposable no, thumbs to roll don't. up dollar bills. No, and they they're really all addicted to coke. I mean, have you looked at them? Look at their eyes. Like it's really obvious. So, I I actually did get a, a permanent straw, uh, a, a, like a like a metal straw. You're just a follower. I am a follower. Yeah. <laughs> Because, but I like straws, and I don't want to feel guilty about it. But and it's something, right? It's one less bit of plastic that I'm putting in the world every time I go out to eat. And yeah, and you go out to eat all the time. I don't actually. You don't? Uh, no. I thought it's I, that was my impression. Oh no. Oh, you cook a lot too. Yeah. You uh, just must eat a lot. You just but eat like, all the time. I eat all the time. Like, and now you know, I I try to bring a water bottle. You know, I I don't get plastic water bottles i just you know do a reusable thing but mm-hmm. but that's me and and but then there are other things like i don't i don't i'm wasteful about certain things but like do you, i i think that so there's a propaganda route that the straw thing is happening but then also i think you can charge money for things like they charge a dime for a paper bag now and that has certainly motivated people and i think that's ultimately what it's going to take is like businesses and and governments charging you to be if you want to be wasteful. So one of the things that's, that's uh, you know, I mean, gasoline is still one of the cheapest liquids. And it's incredibly energy rich. Yep. Yeah. So it, as long as that's true, then it's very difficult to imagine changing. Right, right. I mean, what's the point? Oh, you're, you're that's true. So that, that in terms of a, a carbon-based economy, that w- which we're in... That's it's going to. One thing is to continue to tax gasoline and charge a carbon tax. Like that, that I think is the thing that makes the most sense. Yeah, but I, that, I th- that won't that won't happen. Well, but I like mean, day it, to it day, happens, it's just it happens hard. in in Europe, and, mm. and now that's becoming uh, an area of innovation for 
uh, electric cars, and it's happening a little bit here. I mean, GM GM is closing that plant um, because, and Ford is doing the same thing. They're just they're just saying, well, we're going to only make the cars that people are going to buy, and we're getting ready as a company to transition to electric because that's right. where it's going, and we're going to have autonomous cars, and they can see. In like 10 years, there's going to be no point in owning a car. Yeah. And that's a complete, a huge change. It might be, it might be 20 years, but GM and Ford are both preparing for that. Zero gravity. And so is, so is Volkswagen. Zero gravity flying belts. That's what we're all going to have. You know, I mean, there's all kinds of wild, I mean, talk about quantum. There's, there's the, uh, because there, there's free energy that's being created by in a vacuum. I mean, you have you have a real vacuum, and you're gonna have all of a sudden from nowhere particles will appear because of the uncertainty principle, and that happens, right? So if you can harness that somehow, you're boom goes the dynamite. Crazy. What you're talking crazy? I am talking crazy. Yeah. That's not really. I don't think it's possible to harness that. But you did see that ion drive uh, uh, airplane? No. Oh, it's an airplane that has no moving parts and. Uh, it, some nerds in, I think, at MIT or whatever. So it's just this plane, and it, it just it's moves ions ab- above and below its wings through electrical charge, and so it flies. It's totally cool. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Uh, okay, let's get into something more fun. <laughs> How, what could possibly more, be more fun than the collapse oh, of civilization? Oh, let's talk about uh, Hollywood deaths. What? That's fun, God, right? You are just full of love and fantasticness. Yeah. I mean, this morning. there's. Uh, are you sick? Uh, no, I told you I was sick over the holidays. Oh, so how was your Thanksgiving? Did was, you go up north? I, I did. I went to visit uh, my parents, and my uh, brother-in-law's brother was there, and he he cooked Thanksgiving. Oh. Yeah, because he's a chef. So he is your. What does that mean? He's your brother you're not related to him at all really. no, no no there's no word then, for it maybe I, in another culture there'd be a word for it i cooked the second day so that was good um and then came back and had to go to rehearsal how was it was it was the thanksgiving good or yeah i mean yeah. he's a great yeah. he's good yeah. yeah but i was sick so i wasn't that hungry mm. um but it was fun it's how just, many nieces and nephews do you have i have uh three nieces but only one of them was there what well, because my sister's shooting, my other sister's shooting Billions in New York. So, oh. So she had Thanksgiving with Paul Giamatti. No, she did not. Um, That's nice. Uh, with her daughters there. Uh, Bernardo Bertolucci passed away. Oh. And, and there have been all these things about him and like, you know, these tributes. And did you, do you like, did you like his movies? Um, well, let's see. Uh I, remember, I really I, liked the the conformist. I saw that in college. Yeah, and yeah. I thought the conformist is is one of the most amazing movies. Why? Well, it's incredibly gorgeous. It's yeah. very, very, very complicated. Um, you really feeling for a fascist sympathizer by the end, um, and seeing how that might work. So it's a famous movie from like 1970. Yeah, and, uh, is it Storare who did, who did the cinematography? I don't know. Uh, I don't know, but I I remember images from that movie like I uh, don't remember anything else. I mean, right. it's just gorgeous. Right. Um, and then he did like Last Tango in Paris, which is really like get hard. The butter. Yeah. And it's just very, very. I'm going to get a pig and I'm going to have him vomit on you. And then I'm going to have him fuck you. How about that? That's Are cool. you sick? Yeah. Um. Yeah, Storaro, Vittorio Storaro did the cinematography for for uh, 
the conformist. But um, apparently, you know, the the actress in there was like in Last Tango. Yeah, was yeah, abused, abused, and mm-hmm. it's very hard to to digest that, like knowing what happened and and uh, Bertolucci was unapologetic about it. Yeah, he. He said that everything was on the up and up. Mm-hmm. And then like he won the Oscar for The Last Emperor, which I saw Christmas Day in 1987. And it was so boring. Snooze. So boring. And I didn't, I don't know why he's hailed as like this great, uh, uh, I don't know. Do you guys like him? Well, I, I, I'll, I can say that <clears throat> Last Emperor was a whole bunch of beautiful shots. Yeah. So but, that's why it won ben, Best Cinematography, but why did it win Best Picture and Best Director? I, I really don't know. It's like, like one of the last, or, you know, one of the few movies in the past in recent memory that swept the Oscars, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, it really is kind of boring. Oh, so dull. I mean, the the this visual spectacle at the beginning yeah. is really remarkable. Totally. But what happened, for those of you who uh, don't know... Um, and shouldn't watch this movie because it's two and a half to three hours that you will never get back. On Christmas so, Day. Yeah, don't do it. The uh, The Last Emperor of China um, was became emperor as a boy, and then there was World War II and the um, revolution, the communist revolution in Mao, and he was no longer emperor, and he lived out his life as basically um, a commoner. So that's what happened. <laughs> uh, so what? Basically, John Sylvain just saved you three hours of tedium. So you should all thank him. I I, I would suggest watching the trailer because there are some amazing things that are really beautiful. Like I just saw a couple shots from it for for uh, about cinematography, um, talking about uh, uh, Vittorio uh, whatever Storaro Storaro like this. Just a little kid going, you know, running around the Forbidden City. Just amazing. Yeah. Um, and you see that in the trailer, and that's all you need to see. I, I have a, a little funny story. So a friend of mine is... Um, okay, better not be too funny, because we're still... Oh, no, I, I'm sorry. This so is the funny segment of Hollywood. A friend, a friend of Go mine... On. Yeah. So a friend of mine uh, came to America with his family. He was a, a boat person from Vietnam. And he was one of the youngest people. He and his brother were the, sort of the youngest kids to survive. Um, and they got here, and they were. Um, he was very. He was almost. Uh, he was maybe actually. He might have been an infant. Yeah. When and then his I mean, brother. They was call born. them boat people because they literally were smuggled on boats. Like well, they out, they, out were, of they were they were they came out on rafts. Yeah. Basically, try- or, or fishing boats or, or whatever, fishing yeah. boats, and they were but, trying to like get away from Vietnam. Right. Across the, like the Pacific. <laughs> I mean, it makes the whole Mediterranean refugees look like well, uh, wimps. Also, they would just go, go to a, a, you know Thailand or. Uh, just, let's just say they're trying to get to California because okay. that's where he ended on up on rafts. Yeah, so he ended up in California. Oh, and by the way, this is when the U.S. accepted refugees, and we took tens and tens of thousands of, if not hundreds of thousands of. of uh, Vietnamese refugees. Yeah, like all and, those places that I was mentioning. I don't know where they are, like, like Garden Minnesota and, and or Diamond Bar. Yeah. They're just full of gigantic amounts of, of uh, Vietnamese right. who came at th- this point. Yeah. Like yeah. this giant, these giant... Um, and uh, in Texas, yeah, all over. So so uh, my friend Kian, who's now a doctor, uh-huh. he was interested in acting, and he got an audition for The Last Emperor. So he went in to audition for the kid in The Last Emperor, uh-huh. and he went with his mother and his little brother. Okay. 
and uh, because they didn't have money for babysitting, and sure. so and he was like five or something, and his little brother was three, and they cast his little brother. So his little brother is on the posters. His little brother is the one who's okay. running around. This is what happens when you let refugees come in the country. <laughs> they take your jobs. That could have been me. I could have played that kid. Well, and and then you also have to say, oh wait a minute. And nowadays, it'd be like, hey. That kid's Vietnamese. It's a Chinese emperor. Oh, this is bullshit. <laughs> yellow on yellow washing, some sort of right. Thing or other. Exactly, it's out. It's an uh, outrage. But so yeah, so I, you know, I. But can you imagine, like, you go f- to audition for something, and your little brother just happens to be with you? He gets the part. That happens and he- all the time. That that's like Dave Franco's like whole like you know adolescence. <laughs> Mom. Don't let Jim go. It's my thing. And James goes and yeah, yeah. Um, I would argue that the the greater loss to to the the film uh, was uh, Nicholas Rogue who passed away. Oh, he did. Yeah, on the twenty third, ninety years old. So that's a, a life well lived. Yeah. He he was a director. He started out as a, a photographer and camera operator and did no, no. Well, I mean, he was he was one of the very only directors. He was at first AD. Uh, well, he was a second unit. Um, uh, he was at first AD on Johnny Guitar by Nicholas Ray. Okay, I'm just uh, saying that he's he's one of the people that who became a successful director who was a first AD. So, uh, an, but, an assistant director does not do a job that has anything to do with directing, and and so it's kind of remarkable. I mean, that's what, I, I, maybe, am I wrong? You're the one with a computer. I, I know. I, I, well, he he's, was... He was um, in the DGA before he was a director, which is really unusual. He, in, in the 50s, he was a camera assistant, and uh, then he moved up to be a camera operator, did some second unit stuff for uh, David Lean. He was the, the deep, uh, the, did some photography on, on Casino Royale, the, uh, uh, what's it, uh, John Houston. Terrible movie. Uh, did some cinematography in Doctor Zhivago. I guess I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, but maybe at uh, this time, I thought he, I thought he heard. I heard he was the first AD. He, he and he, it was unusual. He could have been. Uh, oh, he, he, let's see. He was he was a second unit director on Judith. I don't know what that is. Um, and and he did he a bunch of still John, photography. Who's the first AD on Johnny Guitar? Um, <laughs> it was that Vietnamese guy's brother. Um, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Tran again. Um, I'm going to med school. You don't follow me. Exactly. How did you know his name was was Tran? Because it wasn't UN? Yeah. Oh, I'm man. terrible. Send those cards and letters to Marty U. Yes. Um, but so you like you are. You were you thought you were familiar with uh, Nicholas Rhodes? Yeah, I have uh, no idea stuff. what he's talking about, but I know he, he directed the Man Who Fell to Earth. Yeah, with uh, oh, David Bowie. God. That is one of the weirdest movies ever. Yeah, he did a lot of weird movies. Track nine is that track nine? Track twenty nine. Track twenty with, uh, with Gary totally Oldman. Totally weird. That and, is one of and the his weird... wife Teresa Russell. Uh, yeah, it's a great. It's a very crazy movie. It's a, yeah, and um, it's really good too. Yeah. I mean, they're both great, and they're both it, like, what the. Yeah, I, I think his contributions were much more, uh, much more interesting. Assistant director Herb Mendelson. Oh, Herb, know. Herb Mendelson. Somebody sold me a bill of goods on Nicholas Rogue. Well, I'm glad I stopped you from disabused you from that before you said that to your students. Yeah, I was about um, to go to he also directed a movie. Them. 
called fake news uh don't look now yeah what was that about julie christie and donald sutherland they're in in uh they they're it's sort of a a, a i think i saw it psychic mystery thing i think i was disappointed because it was almost normal oh no it was it's fucked up it is (laughs) fucked up again it takes place in Venice. I don't know what I'm talking and about. And it is one of my favorite movies. Uh, it is great. And you get to see um, uh, Donald Sutherland's butt. Um, oh, he had, his first movie was Walkabout. Did you see Walkabout? That, that was, was his first movie? His, the first movie that, that uh, Nicholas Rogue directed, yeah. I, I, uh, I just You remember. know, I don't know if I saw it. I feel like I read about it. Maybe I did see it. I remember it because I, I got to see um, Jenny Agutter's boobs. And like I, I think the first boobs I saw on film were hers in in Logan's Run, and then but oh, she had yeah. made. Uh, oh, she, that that's Jenny Agadar. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. she's hot. Yeah, she's uh she's in Captain America's uh, Winter Soldier. She plays like one of the uh, a very old lady. Shield. I would imagine. Yeah, but um, did she show her boobs in that? Uh, she did not. She did not. But mm-hmm. uh, she became. Scarlett Johansson, whose boobs you see in in other movies, you know what movies? Uh, the I one where she plays the a- she, she plays the alien, you know. I don't know. Um, so Herb Mendelssohn did not go on to direct anything for the record. All right, all right. So Nicholas Rogue uh, is a, was a big loss. Uh, he did some really cool, interesting movies. That um, he also directed The Witches with uh, uh, Angelica Houston, you know, based on the Roald Dahl book. Mm, again, yeah. yeah, that's the one that I was thinking of where I was like, oh my God, this is going to be so weird. And that wasn't that weird. Oh, it wasn't that weird. Yeah. yeah. But um, definitely worth looking into his his his. Uh, oh, definitely. CV. It's, speaking of things you get to see, uh, you briefly get to see uh, David Bowie's penis in The Man Who Fell to Earth. Well, and it's enormous, as you would expect. Yeah. yeah. I and, mean, compared to mine, which I guess, I don't, <laughs> never mind. I told you it was, it's, it's fine. It's fine. That's what you just said. It was so gross. What? <laughs> just for the record, um, Marty never told me the size of my penis was fine. Oh, and said, I'm, still, I'm it, still waiting. I said it was huge. I said it was huge. I've never seen anything so big, is what I told him. But the biggest loss, I think, for for my uh, sort of art in my artistic world, is uh, Ricky Jay. Oh, really? Yeah, died at 72. I, I saw him speak at an auditorium just like 200 yards from here. And Oh, yeah. at the school? Yeah. I think it's more than 200 yards, man. Uh, no, I, I pasted out this morning. I was like, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention this later today. So like, one, two, three. 220. Okay, fine, 220. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, um, he was a, a magician. He was just this amazingly... Uh, driven person obsessive and oh was he oh yeah yeah he he um I, I, he was a little bit of a curmudgeon very yeah. curmudgeonly yeah, yeah. yeah. just did not suffer fools um he didn't like talking about magic well he did but he didn't like he wasn't he was like the mechanics of it and the history of it and the the um like he did a, an entire he published a couple dozen books, I think, and mm-hmm. including one that was just about how dice uh, sort of uh, degenerate over time. Oh, really? Yeah. And so there's these like these beautiful photographs of like crumbling dice, basically. Oh, yeah. yeah. The Rolling Stone song. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, hold me. Only the crumbling dice. Oh. Uh, <sighs> 
You know, you know what the thing about Ricky Jay that's funny is I have I have this uh, idea in my head I've had for a while that just he, he, real quickly. Yeah. You might remember him. He played a villain, a Bond villain, or, or I think in one of the uh, Tomorrow Never Dies. I think, and then he was in a bunch of Mammoth movies. He was, that's the thing about Mammoth is that I was going to say that. Oh, go on. I feel like. Uh, Mammoth and uh, cast Ricky Jay in something, and then never made a movie that wasn't about a con game that didn't have Ricky Jay again. Like all of Mammoth's work after he like he met, was in House of Games, which yeah. was great. He that. met uh, he I think he he and Mammoth met, and they just fell in love with cons. Right, and and so then Mammoth made every movie after that was about a con man. Yeah, like Spanish Prisoner. Yeah, uh, House of games he's so into deception and stuff like that you know yeah yeah and i think that that was it seemed like it was very much fueled by ricky jay it just it just seemed that way because ricky jay had a had a small part in like almost every movie he made after yeah yeah house of games uh but just uh just a really great guy and like also a fantastic magician Mm mm-hmm uh, I don't know if you're a magic fan at all, but if you if you can watch, I think it, oh you, it's on YouTube. Uh, watch Ricky Jay and his fifty two assistants um, on YouTube. It's an hour, and it is you understand why Mamet fell in love with him, and I yeah. think Mamet might have directed that too. Um, but it's it is a spectacular. Uh, he's just nobody uh, better at handling cards, and also just a compelling storyteller. And he was obsessive about it, and so he would he would learn not just about the a card trick, or he would like hunt down like the history, history, and yeah. and like just trying to find out who was the original person who did a particular card trick, like just understanding the whole evolution of a card trick mm-hmm. and finding moves that that nobody else had done before, um, and or, a, a, that obsessive obsessiveness is something that we all liken people you know like prince and his musicality yeah uh those people uh are are so we're we're a better like species that that individuals like that exist out there Mm -hmm. i i don't think you and i are that those people we are obsessive about different things Mm. but he that they exist is great unfortunately along with that there's not a lot of (laughs) self-care you know because uh, Ricky Jay has was his health was always bad, and he did yeah. not take care of himself. And Prince did not take care of himself. I can I, I have this uh, 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 fantasy of uh, Ricky Jay going up to a bar and ordering a double scotch and sitting down, and this other guy says, "Oh, hey, you're Ricky Jay," and he looks over and says, "You're David Mamet," and David Mamet says, "I hate everybody," and Ricky Jay says, "I do too. <laughs> We're Ex- gonna be friends forever." Who hate each other. <laughs> yes, exactly. I'm sure they fought. Yeah, like, and Mammoth is like a weirdly obsessive person too. Like he was, he's into like poker and cards mm-hmm. and, and MMA and, but I, I, I don't, he's less important to me, I guess. Uh, hmm. Yeah. Uh, but anyhow, we, these are three artists that we lost in the past few days and they will be missed um, in the words of Ralph Garman. Um, Ralph Garman? Yeah. 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 Uh, you need to listen to the podcasts. Oh, okay. Yeah. They uh, speaking. Uh, what happened to the millennials who were supposed to be here? Oh, uh, they slept in. Cassandra had a callback today oh, for um, a big commercial that she was very excited about, and um, the other guy can't drive. The other guy d- can't drive. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we we were going to have hipster Bob Seger back. Yeah. 
and uh, I think Kruger is going to be back soon, and I'm going to bring in one of my co-stars, uh, Lance Guest, who was the last Starfighter. Awesome. And uh, he was also in Halloween 2. He's going to, he agreed to come in just a great guy, and super talented, warm, um, just a f- great guy to be on stage with. Well, I talked to Bill Sawyers. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Let's talk about the, the guests who, who, who we're, we're teasing. We're teasing. Yes, exactly. So he's uh, probably going to come next week. Okay. Okay. So uh, unless, well, uh, uh, that's not convenient. Uh, let's see. He could well, we come next have, week. We, okay. Let's let me let me uh, find I think out. We, no, let's. Well, we, I think we, we, we should schedule this schedule uh, this online, online, to, online yeah. so that people get a sense of what it's really like and the inner workings of this um, huge production. So there is a a. Like my Twitter feed isn't automatically like you know regenerating. Um, so JP Cutter says, who by the way is in Van Nuys, um, he says that there was an interesting. I don't know where that is. Uh, I know it's where all the Vietnamese are. That's <laughs> it is not. Uh, there was an interesting Adam ruins everything. Uh, you ever see that show? No, I've seen billboards. Yeah, he, he's very. Very entertaining, good, mm-hmm. good, good show. That described uh, trash generating companies funding early recycling programs as a method of shifting public perception to the consumer being the cause of overflowing landfills, etc. Mm. Uh, uh, That's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. I, what what is an early recycling campaign? An early recycling yeah, campaign? Yeah. Well, just like you know, you you get start recycling, and you you have ads and stuff like that. You know, the ad council says recycle, and then. And the funny thing is, is that I can remember back in like the late seventies, it's like recycle, and I'd say, "Okay, great, I want to recycle." And you look around, and there's no recycling bins anywhere, right. and there's no real way to recycle except to maybe go to some place on the edge of town and and hand in all your stuff, which you collect for a week, and then it becomes too much well, of a pain in the ass. The other thing is, like we, like my thought is like, if I have if I have a second thought about is this recyclable or not, I'm like, well, if it's you know, might as well put it in the recycling because, you know, just in case it is. But when you put like a plastic bag in recycling, it gums up the, the yeah. whole thing. So you don't put recycle. You cannot recycle plastic bags. Okay. And they actually have to go through and manually remove them all. Mm-hmm. So that actually adds to the problem. Right. So there are all these things. There's a town in, in, in Japan where every person by law is required to separate their recycling into 18 different categories. 18 and, different yeah, categories. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so they like they don't have a recycling problem there. Like yeah, they don't have people there anymore. I know. They, they moved. Uh, but they don't have any free time basically. Yeah. But it makes you think about like okay, do I want to get you know that that uh, uh blue apron thing with like 17 different like containers inside of it. Like mm-hmm. you know, uh, that gets shipped in a paper box that's wrapped in, you know, styrofoam and all that right. stuff. Right. Well, I mean, you know, the thing you know, we uh, McDonald's used to have everything in styrofoam, and now they don't. Right, and that's that good. Was, yeah, and that's that was, a really big. They thing. fought that too. They said like, we're you know our our, our shitty food good. is not going to be as good. It's not going to be as hot, and mm-hmm. you know people push back. And that, that Do you remember that that burger they had that said it was the hot side the, hot the McDLT McDLT yeah the hot side is hot and the cold so the hot stays hot and the, and somehow they put it all under the warming light so it all got warm. Uh, yeah. Yeah, anyway, it didn't work. <laughs> uh, Peter WG says, um, 
The Last Emperor was fine, I guess. What? D- doesn't deserve the D- hype, and I certainly don't have a lot of love lost for a director <laughs> who basically orchestrated the sexual assault of another actor for his art. Um, People used to do that all the time. And then JP... What do you, what do you think of Hitchcock? Goes on to say... <laughs> read Bertolucci's quotes about Last Tango in Paris before seeing any of his movies, that was enough to put me off starting. Uh, If he couldn't trust the actor to be believable without abuse, he either failed at casting or communicating what he wanted. Good point. Hmm. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. (laughs) I'm sorry. Go on. Well, I mean, you know, directors have been abusing actors. Since, yeah, but it doesn't uh, make it right. It doesn't mean we should support them. I don't know. Sometimes you get really good performances (laughs) out of it. And that's, that's, that, does that, And that lasts longer than the post-traumatic stress because those people die yeah, eventually, like, but the movies live on. Like when Jim Cameron drowned, uh, what's his name, in the abyss? Drowned Ed, who? Ed, Ed, Ed Harris. Ed, Ed didn't drown him. He's still around. Right, right. And I believed him. I believed he was panicking underwater. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's apparently a story. Yeah. Um, yeah, James Cameron is... I, I, I once had a conversation with the woman who did craft service on, on the Titanic, and all of the ADs were like, do not put any sugar on that table. Do not bring anything with sugar to him, please. And he would always be like, give me some, give me some M&Ms right now. Give me some M&Ms. And that, just, that was the feel for his rage? Then he would just become the, the uber Cameron monster. Are you sure sugar wasn't code for cocaine? No, I'm pretty sure. I, I mean, he's he's like 80 years old. Right. And he's still going strong. Right, So right. I don't think he did No, I think he's drugs. super healthy, yeah. But, he, you know, they finished, he finished uh, the 17 Avatar movies like uh, last week. He did? Yeah. Oh, they, what, what finished two, of, production. two of them or? There's four. He four made four and they finished production apparently. That is insane. And well, the funny thing is, is that apparently I, I have a friend who's uh, in animation uh, and she knows people who work on it. And every day, they, they, like animation has a way of doing things. Like it's a re, uh, reiterative process. I'm sorry, there, process? There's a, things have a way of happening? Animation has uh-huh. a way, of there's, doing a, there's, a, there's a structure to the way they make animated movies. And uh, apparently Cameron just throws that out. And, and instead of, he just go, comes in every day with a new idea of what he wants to work on, rather than going through the process of, Let's take this scene and make it work, which is how, you know. So that's why it's been like 10, 12 years. Because well, they've been working nonstop on those movies. Do you think it, it's wise to to do those two movies? At, was it two movies? Four. Four movies at once. For, wise? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it made sense for to do the Lord of the Rings and the uh, the three Lord of the Rings movies. It also probably made sense to make the three Hobbit movies, but it didn't make sense to make three Hobbit movies. Um, yeah. Well, it does. Oh, okay, know, just awful. according to Deadline, it says the Avatar two is due in theaters, uh, twenty twenty at the end of twenty twenty, and then Avatar three, the end of twenty twenty one. Two additional sequels are planned after that if the first pair deliver the kind of box office success that Fox and Cameron are expecting. Oh, really? Yeah. But, I mean, I'm sure he's written them and I'm sure he probably shot all the, you know, enough to, to finish that, you know, because he shoots a lot, right? Yeah, I, I would imagine if I were him and he had he knew what the stories were, he would just make them. Because it's all like... And he also comes from, you know, he worked for Corman and that's what Corman would have done. Right. Just like, yeah, I'm making two movies with your with your $150 million and you're actually making four. And he started out as a production designer and then he yeah. did Piranha 2. That was the first one he did, right? Mm-hmm. 
That's what he directed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Boy, what a, what a, probably a prick, right? James Cameron. Yeah. I don't know. Probably. Uh, yeah. he, he, I, my, you know, he's one of those people that doesn't suffer fools and thinks most people are fools. Yeah. So yeah. he's just like know. Ricky Jay. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's certainly like the the innovations that came out of Avatar are pretty incredible. Yeah. No yeah. I, I. It's it's weird that his movies make so much money. Um, because they're not, I mean, they're good, but they're not, I mean, uh, Titanic is three hours long and it's an hour and a half too long. Yeah. But I, I was, was in, I was into it. I was engrossed by it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Avatar, not so much, but, but that's okay. I, I, don't, I don't understand why Avatar was the most successful movie of all time. I, I don't know that either. But uh, it is, it's, I mean, it's beautiful. I haven't seen it since. Mm. I, no. Yeah, no I haven't interest. either. Yeah. I haven't either. I mean, uh, I could tell you that um, Terminator is one of my favorite movies. And Terminator 2. Mm-hmm. Those are great. Mm-hmm. Those are awesome. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Listen, if he hired me, I'd I'd believe right now. Um, to do what? To go work for him. To do what? Hire anything. Toilet cleaner? Yeah, I'd clean his toilets. All right. Um, now, I've noticed... You know, I talk about like video games a, a lot because it's fun to play video games. And, yeah. And I, I find it, it um, that my natural... Your desire to kill things is, is sort of sated? No, it's just my... It my there, I don't know if it's because I like re- repetition or competition or something, but I like games. Uh-huh. And like, I think that's pretty similar with most people because things are they figured out how to gamify things like mm-hmm. you know like twitter is kind of a game how many how many retweets and likes can you get and that becomes a game and people spend all day like trying to think of what what to tweet next and that's a fun game of sorts i guess and like mm. this is this podcast we do is sort of a game like how can we keep a conversation going for 2 hours and every so often it we kind of make win you know um but do do you find that like your mind is attracted to sort of gamification game game stuff? Yeah, like, yeah. Oh yeah. Like I, I kind of love it. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out. Like I, I actually, uh, um, just a week a week ago, I started this this. Uh, I got Strides as an app, which I tried before, and it just tracks. I want to do some things every day. I want to write every day. I want to exercise every day. I want to meditate every day. And uh, so I'm trying to create a streak, you know, of doing those things. And so, and that's, that's been working for me, you know, so I'm, I'm back to exercising every day, you know, and I, I just started and, you know, it's like, oh gosh, I got to keep my streak going. So I've, I'm going to sneak it in somewhere, you know, sneak in the meditation if I didn't get a chance to do it. Like today, I don't know when I'm going to write, but I'm going to write sometime. Maybe um, I'll write right now. Okay. Um, I'm just going to watch. Okay, for those of you at home, he is scratching the side <laughs> of the microphone. Um, there's a, 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 a very fun YouTuber named Simone Geertz, mm-hmm. and she's a part of the maker community. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that she just put on Kickstarter is the Everyday Calendar, and it's basically a, a sort of electronic like board calendar, and then you you sort of 
mark your progress by just uh-huh. if you if you just want to do one thing a day you can do it and you can visually see you know the days that you did it and the days you didn't yeah and it becomes the game you you want a solid bar for the month of you know november like i did not bathe today click yeah <laughs> yeah and if you make it through the month you've won you've won and yeah. you don't have any friends because you haven't bathed all month but uh but i think that gamification can be uh, detrimental like i think that that's one problem of like tribalism uh, and uh we see it in like the incel community like it becomes a game oh, like who, who can be you know more strident and who can hate women more than the other and and who can say the more vitriolic thing it can be the same thing in politics who can like shoot who can just get good at like their their sides talking points and shooting down the other person's arguments as opposed to listening right but it becomes a game because you like you i was on that debate show today and i shut down that that liberal or conservative person by just you know by playing the game they're not there to actually listen right i don't i don't i don't know if uh i i, I wouldn't call it gamification well but if you're it but you're going into that encounter with a, th- a sense of like, I'm not going to listen. I'm going to play a game. Yeah. Okay. I, I guess so. I guess. But for me, gamification is taking something that's uh, not fun and trying to make it fun. And that's the effective thing about gamification, like, you know, exercising every day or creating new habits. Right. Well, and that's what actually their you know, companies are doing that to, uh, in a negative way too, or maybe not negative, but like these uh, driving companies, they try to gamify like their, you know, have you reached your goal today for for rides, you know, and they're trying to make that sort of incentive to to keep keep you on the road. Yeah, well, I mean, which is fine. So, so know, I, mean, I mean, if you t- if it's really important if you want to reach a goal to have uh, to measure things, and measuring things is boring unless. You're gamifying it's, it. It's John's sizable-ish penis. Oh my God, Barney! I mean, there's some things that are not appropriate for this podcast, and my, this, I, I, my penis me. is not is one of them. I don't know it's, it's there's a, there's a circle around my penis. It's not quite, and that it's big. not talk about my penis is one of the rules. Okay. I think of this podcast. So let's not talk about my penis. In fact, I don't want you to mention my penis anymore and I'm not going to mention my penis. I think we spent too much time talking about my penis. In fact, can we just stop talking about my penis now? I I will never mention your glorious penis ever again. <laughs> um but now we put okay. my penis to bed. So the games like so, so when we play a our our Red Den Redemption two for like eight hours and and we've achieved X number of goals. We, right. We've we've satisfied that gamification like hunger in our brain. Is that what we've done? I I think so. I mean, don't you think I've never done what you just described? I've done it. I I haven't done it, something like that in thirty years. I, I a friend of mine a friend of mine once gave me his Amiga computer. And for those of you, that was me. Never mind. It was so long ago. I it was Amiga like five hundred. I rode my dinosaur over to my friend's house and got his Amiga computer. I took it home, it and had he said four thousand ninety six colors. Hello. Yeah, I know. So, and he he was he said I get this away from me, and I said why? He said this is game Populous, which was 
uh, like Civilization, and I can't stop playing uh, it. And I said, "Oh, I'll take it. I'll take it off your hands." I love Populous. Yeah, so I took it home. You played and I, God. I played Populous until the sun came up. Yeah, and I knew what he was talking about, yeah. and I did not have this feeling like. Oh, I've gotten gamification right. out of my system. No, I went out true. into the world and started thinking I could control everybody. Right, right. I'm going to cause an earthquake here. Yeah, because I was exhausted also. Yeah. It had ruined my life in one day. So I, I guess I want to harness that desire for game. For game yeah. In, in, so that when you leave the game, you have something for it. So like, you know, if you're going to sit on your phone, why not do... Play a, do a language app where yeah. they have these great apps where you learn a language. Or you can do this. You can do this. You can take a game and you can create a game. Like you, like yesterday, I created a game and I sent it to a friend and I said, and the game was, I'm going to accomplish these uh, five things. It doesn't sound very innovative. Like that's just a list. It's called a checklist. It's not a game. But it was. I put. I made a context. I created a possibility and a general outcome. Right. Okay. And I and I called I had a name for the game, which was Get Back on Track. Okay. In one day. And what do you get when you When I win? Yeah. I didn't win. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a shitty ass game. I got a lot more done than I would have done if I had But how is that different that from a checklist? How is it different? It's not. Except it was a game that I shared with somebody else. And I and I had a context and a name. That's what did all. they what did they have to do with the game? They I, they held me accountable. Oh, well, I guess that's what a game does, right? It withholds its its stars before it, uh, you know, unless you complete a task. You want to win, yeah, yeah. You want to win. You want to you want to win your game. Yeah. So, so you can create a game out of anything, I and wanted, you should create games that are not involving uh, being in an old west open world where you're actually, when you're done, after eight hours of mental effort, and you're exhausted and you smell bad because you've been so nervous about the, you know, this, that, and the other thing, that, and, but you actually come out of it and you look around the world and it hasn't changed at all. You haven't changed anything except that you're later on all the things you need to do. Um, so that's not good. That's not a good game. Here, and here's a game. Why don't you play a game where you take your dogs on a run every day and so now you're an ancient person but you're incredibly good shape marty i not incredibly good shape i'm in reasonably. no considering how ancient you are you're uh, really uh, good shape uh it I, i've made that a, a game i made that sort of an obsession like uh, where i just can't like when i was sick i was just like oh fine i'm just gonna walk for an hour and a half you know mm -hmm. and so i went out and but i got out and so I'm, I am pose this question to everybody else and tweet or email us. Um, how, uh, A, are, do you get something out of playing a game, that, uh, like a video game, or um, that you wouldn't have, that enhances your life? B, are you listening to this podcast? B, are you listening to, yeah, yeah, Evan already left. He, yeah, he, had, he had a work call. He said he loved everything we were talking about. And then, um, oh, Steve, it, he is a, uh, was an Amiga fan. Yeah. Like he, Lemmings for Life. Do you ever play Lemmings? That was a good one. No, I did not. After that experience with Populous, I did not oh, yeah. seek out games. Oh, there were some good ones. Blood Money was the one that I like to play. Uh -huh. yeah, so, um, but, um, and then secondly, is there a way, a part of your life that you have uh, turned into like a benefit that you, through gamif gamification? You can, you can play a game where your goal is to get three laughs. 
or to get it two smiles yeah, at but Thanksgiving. How is, can you put it on my phone? Because I need the it has affirmation. To be on your phone. I need the affirmation to come on you the screen. You can put it on your phone. I can show you how to do that with notes. Use notes to make a little checklist. No, but I need a cartoon character to give me a thumbs up and like I'll a give wink. You a thumbs up. Ah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but do you, do you do any other gamifying things? Like, do you do any like learning apps or anything like that? Well, I I did I did uh, Duolingo for a little while, but then I stopped. How but did that do for you? It was great when I was doing it, and then you know something came up like what language were you trying to learn? French. Uh huh. Are we? We well we. The the problem, of course, with French is that they don't actually pronounce any any consonant, so everything sounds the same. Like I was when we were in France, uh, I I I by the you know after a week I could like read, practically read the signs, you know, like uh, like descriptions of statues. Mm-hmm. I could like figure it out what it said. But if someone said it out loud, all the sounds, all the words sound the same. It's like, <laughs> Right. It, it, it only gets you so far and then I think you need to go to a, the uh, they have th- this news in foreign language spoken slowly like they oh have, they do yeah these podcasts where it's just like it's like slow news or something like that oh really they that speak it great. in a different language so you can learn it that way mm-hmm. I think but it just requires a lot of time but I would rather invest time doing that like like there are these computer like music things like where you can play like it measures like your your piano playing or whatever yeah and or you can play garage band or or whatever what's that a rock band yeah rock you know band, and right. it's like what what like isn't it engaging the same sort of parts yes. here your I I was playing? had an argument with the Alan Alan Lulu was talking about rock band and how great it was yeah to, he could play guitar and he was really good at it and I was like why don't you just Play, play guitar, guitar instead, right? And it seems like it's it's not as easy to play guitar as it is to play rock band, but at a certain level, you're putting the hours, right? And hours and right. hours to play rock band. Like I, you, I've seen as the, I said, you're done and you have no actual skills. You, you see these videos of these guys and playing these those rhythm games, and it is beautiful. Like it's mind boggling. They're yeah. playing like you know virtuosic, but like. What else can you? What can you do with that? Right. You know, can, you can't. You can't like you know lead a, a sing along. You know. Right. At well, a party. maybe maybe if you if it's a rhythm game, maybe you can then get a drum machine and create some really good rhythms. Them play drums, right? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm. We might be just old fogies who are, are just like talking. Out I ass. don't think it's a, a may be old fogies. Oh. I think we are old. Well, fogies. I, I don't think we're. We might be talking like old fogies, but uh, I mean, we are. But. I don't know. Is this is this concept <laughs> interesting and, and, and relatable? Um, we missed. Uh, we missed what? We missed the top of the hour. Oh, what does that mean? <clears throat> Nothing. Just we, means you haven't been paying attention to the. We're going to dip into the mail sack. What mail sack? It's mail sack. I want to get my hands in that mail sack. He came by just for a quick. Let him finish. Uh, yeah, that, that was, was great. great. I don't know why. Thanks, Dan. He doesn't have I'll a come back next time. Singing stay, career. Stay on mic next time. Oh, he's gone. He wasn't really here, people. Just in okay. case you're confused. That's called the denial. Um, no, it's not. <laughs> this is the man who taught me improv. Um, not very well. Not very well, apparently. 
Steve Owens says, I'm wondering if you all wouldn't mind discussing how Harvey Weinstein is yes, about to get... I would mind. I don't want to talk about All that. of his charges dismissed due to a sort of witness tampering by a cop and DA or whatever. Uh, I don't... I don't know anything about that. I don't know anything about that either. That would be kind of too bad. That would be a bummer. But also, I feel like justice he's going to get justice in other ways um, yes i mean it's nice it's nice when people um get their uh criminal uh comeuppance but when people are uh have a life and it's completely taken away from them like cosby i mean cosby finally got uh prison prison um and you know he definitely deserves that uh but he's also like a million years old and now he's going to prison but he had his whole career taken away from him. Although I guess he kept on making appearances, and making money. I don't know who would pay to see him. And then Harvey Weinstein is just a persona non grata in the community that he was king of for 25 years. And um, his company is basically went out of business. And yep. He's worthless. And so then if he goes to prison, that's uh, in my mind, it's like an added bonus. Yeah. You know, but right. if he, if if there's witness tampering, that's a drag. Yeah, and if it actually happened, then you know that's that's fuck those detectives. You know. Yeah, it's sort of it's sort of like that thing with Manafort and um, and uh, well, it's not like that, but it's it's it, the the Manafort um problem. Did you see that this morning with the? Uh, mm-hmm. So they're re- revoking his plea deal because he's been lying. Yeah. Um, and the what that's going to do is justify. A pardon by Trump. Um, it's really bad news for um, the Mueller investigation, I think. And I wish they hadn't. Um, I wish they would have endured it and not gone public with the fact that he's lying. Although I guess that's probably what you kind of have to do when you have a witness and he's lying. Yeah. But what I've what I've read is that they think he's lying, or they can show that he's lying. Um. And uh, and now it seems like, you know, Trump can now say, oh, well, they're just trying to get him and ruin him and he doesn't have anything to yeah, say. He's, so. he, he's already come out and said that, yeah. that Mueller is off the rails. Um, yeah, so there are all other, I don't think it's all the, the charges against um, Weinstein. I, I think that he has, he's been cleared of some financial accusations, um, but his the road ahead of him is not, wide open for you know there there are going to be a lot of hiccups for him both legally and career wise um then the other um, email is from kevin pratt who says uh, i don't believe we've heard from kevin before i could be wrong he says uh, i'm Long-time wrong about listener first time caller yep kevin pratt he is welcome um, to the show reiterating the mistake i made that uh the x-men predated uh the first x-men by brian singer predated spider-man it did, right? Yeah, you were right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was right? Or he was right? He was right. I was wrong. The important thing is I was wrong. That's the important thing, important everybody. Thing. Marty was wrong. And For those says, of you keeping score in your gamification system at home, yes. Marty was wrong. Uh, not the first time. No, I'm the sure the people time. who are gamifying that is... Not the last time in the next like 20 minutes. Um, and if you're not wrong in the next 20 minutes... I will be wrong. You will be wrong. <laughs> So the best comic book villain, according to Kevin, would have to be Magneto. Yep. Especially based upon X-Men Apocalypse. If you've never seen that film, it's pretty damn good, especially in the beginning. It is good. Uh, 
Yeah. I, I, can't, I can't tell I these can't, movies yeah, part by title. I, I don't know what that means. It's the one with the Egyptian thing in the in the beginning. Oh, that was kind of dumb. Oh, okay. Wasn't it? I don't know. I like I like Days of Future Past. That, I okay. That, and again, I don't. Yeah. Oh, that was the one where he goes into the past, and you know. Oh, that was great. Yeah. Oh, I really liked that one. Yeah. Really liked it a lot, and it also set up the the new X Men storyline in a really good way. I thought it was good. Yeah, and it was also one of the the comic book things that I really liked. Except that, um, you know, in I was like X Men one forties or so. But that it ha- was more Kitty Pride heavy than it was uh, Logan heavy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and then la- uh, Kevin closes with, uh, uh, and for the record, I miss Cassandra. She compliments you guys very well, and she is also very funny, true and true. Huh. And but she- here's what she said in her last oops tweet. She said, um, "The sigh, I miss the podcast. Sad face, sad face, sad face." Oh, so she. It's not because. Um, of anything except that everybody's been really really busy these days and not because she hates me or i mean she might but um but she comes in spite of that um there you were wrong right there um so we i i i I texted to you uh two weeks ago after the podcast magneto and and you said i mean it, Magneto really is a great villain. Yeah. He's very, I mean, at first he wasn't a great villain. Right. But when then he, you got his backstory and you got, you know, that he was in the, his family was in the Holocaust. He was tortured. He, wants, he was tortured. He wants to protect himself. And from, his kind. And his kind, yeah. And yeah. so he's got, a, he's got a really good motivation. Yeah. But at the same time, it's, he, I, 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 I was thinking about Magneto started out being the master of magnetism. And basically, if you had metal, he would mess with it. And then, after about 15 years, they realized that blood is full of iron. <laughs> but and it, so basically, and this iron is like, being the master of magnetism means he can do everything all the time. I mean, light is electromagnetic waves. It's just like... But I don't know if, if the iron in our blood is ferromagnetic. I mean, I guess with if MRIs are using magnetic resonance, that means that they, we respond to ma- magnets, so... Yeah. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe maybe uh, it does to I mean, some if, degree. If it w- if our the blood was ferro if the iron in our blood was ferromagnetic, then then MRIs would kill us. Kill us or yeah. but, like, but we, have some effect does, on our blood. It's basically sending a ton of very concentrated magnetism in us and then it our cells respond to it like it and that's what it images. So Oh really? Yeah. Did you learn that at Biocamp? I just made it up. Okay. Um so that's th- fair. That is the mail sack. You should fill the mail sack. Send us mail at our sack. That's nunerpodcast at gmail dot com. Please, please. We have. We're trying. We're just trying to keep trying it going. To, trying to people. Fill this. We're just fill creating the entertainment. Fill the minutes or something. Do you think this is entertaining? Oh, completely. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, are you excited about any of the holiday movies? Or oh yeah. Go on. Oh yeah, w- widows. I haven't seen okay. it. But I haven't it seen it yet. Great. I have, I have. And then. Uh, I've just heard about these and the favorite. Yeah, that, that looks so really good. That's the the director, the Greek director who did um, the lobster. Yeah. and uh, killing of a something deer. Um, Kill, did you say killing of something deer? Yeah, killing <laughs> of a sacred cow, sacred deer, something. But a, a movie I really love. He made some other movies. Yeah, I mean, I I think he he's just like such an interesting director. Right, Dog Tooth, um, and he's like 
smart and funny and uh, yeah, so totally looking forward to that. Uh, oh, listen, I just went and saw that uh, the Harry Potter movie. Yeah. God Almighty is awful. Really? Just boring. I mean, I fell asleep, so um, yeah. maybe it... It's very it expository, did, right? Yes. Yes, it is extremely expository. Which, and, which for, for me, I might like that because I got in the whole mythology of Harry Potter. You you what? I got in the whole mythology you of You got that. into it? Yeah, sure. Well, I, I like it too, but this is a little bit more... like It's good with your stories to have some kind of characters that you care about and, and for the... Um, movie not just to be explaining something all the time and uh do you think that she the accusation was that she's gone george lucas the accusation i don't think it's fair to compare anybody to george lucas because that guy really i mean first he became a billionaire and then could do whatever he wanted and we realized and then did whatever he wanted yes and we all realized that's not a good idea to let that guy and I mean, he just exposed his complete emotional immaturity um, with billions, millions of dollars yeah. at his disposal, and made billions of dollars from it. I know that's which is crazy. It is but, totally crazy. Uh, so you don't recommend that one? Uh, no, I mean, I, it's probably leading to something, you know. So maybe, but I would, uh, I would wait where you can go to the bathroom and leave it for a little while. I yeah. and or maybe you know maybe I was just too tired to follow it, but okay, it really there was no urgency. I didn't understand why anybody was doing anything at all. Okay, so but the favorite is is on your list. Yeah, and uh, what are some other ones that are coming out? Well, there's the um, more the these the Mortal Engines. Yeah. No. Mm. Uh. No, I might I might go see that just because I. I'm a sucker for big special effects, and it looks kind of yeah. There's been a huge emphasis on like that they delayed the production of the movie because the technology wasn't there to to make everything that they wanted to make. Oh yeah, because it was made a while ago, right? Well, the well, no, I don't think it was. I don't maybe, but it's been a uh, it's been they've been planning it for a long, long time. I'm sure Darren will have some insight on that. That's but, I mean, I can't imagine at this point that there's anything that is beyond. Technology like the, the uh, digital digital yeah. visualization, um, but mo- yeah, Mortal Engines. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm I like Peter Jackson movies, and I I just hope it doesn't. Did he make that movie? Oh, well, he's produced it, oh, he and, produced and it. Uh, his writing team wrote it, mm-hmm. and uh, his special effects guy directed it. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Well, I hope it doesn't have like. I mean, I I still really uh, have uh, PTSD from from the Hobbit. Uh, scene where they're going down the river in those barrels. I love that scene. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Did you like it? Uh, do you like the first fifteen minutes of it, or, do you, or which part? Which part of the forty-five minute sequence did you like best? I I think his action <laughs> scenes are great. I think like like his action Please. scenes are really similar. Like you compare that with the the second unit sort of chase for the the strip of paper and Tintin. Like he. Uh, Peter Jackson directed the second unit for that. Oh, really? Yeah, and it's the same. Like no it's like a shaggy dog chase, you know, and it goes on forever, and I love it. And it's the same thing in King Kong, like that whole chase through the the the, the with camp, the dinosaurs, with the dinosaurs, where nobody it. gets stepped on yeah. somehow, just yeah. barely. You love like it. that, yeah. huh? Love it. God, really? I just think it's it's, oh, it's very it's very sort of. Did you like um, the Matrix uh, scene on the highway that I fell asleep in and then woke up an hour later and it was still going on? No, no, I I like. 
like I think it, it's very Buster Keaton-esque, all the sort of coincidences that go into to the... Yeah, but if Buster Keaton made it, it would have all those coincidences and it would last three minutes. Well, that's because they didn't have reels big enough to hold all the <laughs> celluloid that, that he wanted to use. Um, I also want to see the new Spider-Man movie. That looks good. The, the when is that coming Lord out? Gordon Miller, that's coming out the 14th. Oh, really? Yeah. Where, where was I? It's the, it's the animated one. Oh, oh, that one. Yeah, yeah. that does look pretty better yeah. than I would think. Yeah, yeah the trailer's very funny. Yeah. It's, it's about the... Um, Spider-Verse? That's a yeah. stupid name. Um, Aquaman? Uh, no. Bumblebee? Mm, probably not, although I, I, I just keep on... Stein, Haley Steinfeld. Steinfeld. Like, she was so great in True Grit. I just keep on, like, hoping that she'll do something fantastic, but I don't think she has. Uh, Pitch Perfect too. Yes, so as I said, I'm hoping that she'll do something great, and she just hasn't. Pitch Perfect 3. Uh, I didn't see that one. I don't didn't know. either. Holmes and Watson. That's probably going to be funny. Uh, uh, based on what? Um, I don't know. You're right. It probably isn't going to be funny. And then on Christmas, you can watch Vice. Vice? Vice, the new uh, movie from, um, what's his name, uh, uh, Will Ferrell's partner? Adam, Adam McKay. McKay. Yeah. And what's it about? It's about the vice president, Dick Cheney. Oh, my God. Adam McKay made that? Yeah. That's amazing. And uh, played by Christian Bale. Yeah. Just look at, watch the trailer, and you're like, who the fuck? What? Right. What? I know. Christian Bale. I mean, dude, you keep on doing that, you're going to get diabetes like uh, Tom Hanks. You well, know? I think he probably used a little more latex. Um, well, he keeps on gaining and losing weight. He's like Matthew McConaughey. Although Matthew McConaughey just loses weight. Yeah, what did he gain weight for? Well, he, he gained weight so he wouldn't die after oh, Dallas yeah. Buyers Club. Um, Tyson has never disliked a Peter Jackson film. Also, I've not seen them all yet. <laughs> he's been he's been watching them continuously. Like he's still on the director's like cut for the uh, you know Beautiful the two towers, and it's. <laughs> Still going. It's still going. And then the two towers. Oh, the two towers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, beautiful creatures is great. Love that movie. Peter yeah. Jackson is was was uh, it was good. I, 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 listen, I'm a huge fan of the original King Kong, and the original King Kong is an hour and a half long. Yeah, I I, I loved I loved his King Kong. You did? Great. Yeah, that was great. Did you like King Kong Part Two? Uh, That's it, what. <laughs> yeah, it was it was okay. I um, loved every hour of King Kong. <laughs> Come on. All 17 of them. It was three hours long. No, it was three and a half hours. Oh, God. It was, What's your point? My point is that, you know, uh, it's called editing. Try it. <laughs> wow. Uh, J.P. Cutter said, watch a couple movies I'd been squeamishly nervous to watch last week. Green Room and Apostle. Green Room? Room, yeah. That is uh, a movie with Patrick Stewart where he plays a neo-Nazi. Oh. And uh, it takes place in a green room you know where you wait in to get on stage you know it's about a band who gets like basically trapped by neo-nazis oh it's with anton yelchin which um oh. r.i.p um oh yeah, yeah it's a that it's, guy, a, that guy it's a super great. intense movie it's really really good and uh the the director of it he did a movie called blue ruin which uh, you should all watch too. That's a super intense movie. Uh, Jeremy Saulnier is his name. Uh-huh. And uh, that's a really good one. And then he also has a movie on Netflix right now called um, 
It's called, I'm looking for it. It's called Hold the Dark. And that's uh, Hold the Dark with Jeffrey Wright. And it takes place in Alaska. It's supposed to be very oh, intense. Oh, yeah. So how about, how try about that the one. Green Book? That's gonna, I think that's going to be great. Uh, it just, you know, you know, just like white guy driving a, you know, like cranky, you know, yeah, racist white guy driving a two actors are two of the best around. actors on earth. And they're talking about, he's like, well, you don't eat fried chicken, but you're black. You know, like, yeah. and then he ends up like, I love fried chicken. Mm-hmm. And that's like, I it, it was not a very compelling trailer. Yeah, but it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's the, the, what's his name? A name I can't pronounce. Vigo Mortensen. And no, I can pronounce Vigo Mortensen. Just Vigo <laughs> Mortensen. And then uh, Mr. Ali. Fred? No, no, the guy. Uh, Ali. Okay. He's great. Okay. He's I, so good I can't I'm gonna learn his name. All right. Someday. Um so are there intense movies that you like? The, so that's what JP's saying. Oh, and then Apostle is directed by Gareth uh Edwards, I think. No, not Gareth Edwards, Gareth something or other. Um he's the guy who did uh Raid Redemption. Did you see Raid Redemption? No. It's never even heard of it. It's a an Indonesian movie. Um and it is one of the greatest action movies of all time. Really? Oh, it is. It is. That is the definition of intense. Basically, did you see Dread, uh, the the Judge Dread reboot with no. Carl Urban? That's a good one too. But it it's is? basically the same plot. Gareth Evans. So it's basically it takes place. You know, it's a, a cop who is in a an apartment building that's full of drug dealers, and mm-hmm. he, it's just him escaping. Like I think he's undercover and. And it's just fight after fight after fight after fight. It's so good. Awesome. Yeah. So I, I highly recommend that. Uh, and then he directed this movie for uh, called Apostle. And it's a, a period piece for Netflix that came out last month. Um, and I haven't seen it, but I want to see it. <clears throat> uh, are, are there, can you think of a, a, an intense movie? that, that... An intense movie? Yeah. Um, no. I I have to so maybe if I say this and get this out of my head. So I'm showing Coco today in my class, uh-huh. which is great. It's That's... it's not intense. Do you don't like Coco? It's not American. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, uh, we can argue that point in a minute. But uh, so intense movies. Uh, I can't th- actually think of any uh really intense movies. Somehow, uh, Saving Private Ryan comes to mind. Oh yeah, that that opening that is, scene. On... Yeah, the opening scene is incredible. Yeah. Um. But I totally agree with the the late talk about people who passed away. William Goldman passed away. Oh yeah, that's the one I wanted to talk Joe, about. Oh, I forgot Why about. Why didn't William you bring Goldman? that up earlier, William I didn't Goldman? Think of it. I was uh, I was so caught up in your death knell uh, yeah. thing. So I was thinking about talking about it last week when we didn't do it. What he was he dead by then? I think so. Oh, but William, William Goldman uh, a, said great said, great screenwriter. Great said he said lots of great things but one of the things he he wrote about saving private ryan is that it doesn't make any sense because at the end you see it's a sort of a flashback right and this guy is at this grave and um he's there with these three girls and it's really qu- weird um because you can't quite figure out these three women who are behind him are 20 they all look like they're the same age and they kind of look like they could be sisters but He's ob- maybe their grandfather or something, but you can't tell who they are. So that brings up a question. And then you don't know who he is. And it turns out that he is Private Ryan. Right. 
And William Goldman's point is that's bullshit because Private Ryan did not know about all the things that happened to save him. He wasn't there. So it's, it seems like a flashback to something that he wouldn't remember. But wouldn't he have been told about that? Yeah, you could certainly say that that's what it was. But Okay, that's what he, I'm saying. That's what it was. And then they saved him in order to, um, so he could have these uh, three buxom, and they're very buxom, uh, young ladies who are giggling behind him as he stands at this grave in Normandy. All right. I don't know what the point of that whole rant was. I just was thought William Goldman was right. He was right about a lot of but, things. Like, but Marathon Man doesn't make sense either. Like Marathon Man, which he wrote, is like full of. He bottles. wrote that. Yeah. Oh, William Goldman wrote the book, the novel, and the screenplay. He did. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. Have he you also the... wrote Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Well, I knew that. Yeah. I knew that, Marty. I'm not as dumb as I look. I've. And I look pretty dumb for those of you. You wrote the Princess Bride, both the novel, which is fantastic. Did you really have you read it? Oh yeah, I read it before the movie. Really? Before there was a movie, yeah. I read like a ton of his novels. Like I tried to read the Princess Bride to my son, and uh, and he was talking about being in Hollywood and watching a bikinied girl in in a swimming pool, and I just couldn't. At the very beginning, I just like this is not appropriate for Uh, kids. Wait, what? Oh, wait, what? The what? Princess Bride? Yeah. There, there's. You I, didn't read it, did no, you? No, no. You I just didn't. lied about that, didn't you? It's all it's all, it's all, all sham. This is all baloney. Your name isn't even Marty, is it? So, but there's tons of stuff that's not appropriate for kids <laughs> that you end up exposing your kids to. All right. I'm going to give you guys, uh, as Good we close point. out, as we close out, <laughs> Everybody should watch, if you haven't seen them already, the, the Chanwick Park, uh, the Re- Revenge Trilogy. It starts with Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, then goes to Old Boy, goes to Lady Vengeance. Super These are Korean movies? Korean movies, super intense. I heard of Old Boy. I didn't know that there was part of a trilogy. Oh, yeah. All the three of them, very intense, uh, mm-hmm. really, really good, um, just very hard to watch movies, but not like in a, 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 a gross way, but just very challenging like you know mm-hmm. morally and stuff like that the handmaiden he also did the handmaiden which is an awesome movie did you see that no really great mm-hmm. uh, and there's an uh, like korean movies like for some reason I, i've gotten into all these thrillers there's the man from nowhere which is a really fun action movie the chaser which is a super intense uh thriller um so i would recommend that and then um yeah start there Go with go with those. I think some of those are. Go watch The Conformist. Uh, and uh, no, you no, don't have just to. Watch, well, watch Mephisto. That's another great movie. that's in the same line. That's not okay. made by Bertolucci. Yeah, some other Italian creep. No, it was a German. It's a German. A movie. German creep. It's a German creep starring okay. Klaus Maria Brandauer. Oh, He's fantastic. Um, and then the the Bong Joon Ho, like the guy who did Okja, which if you haven't seen that, it's really great. I haven't seen any of these movies. Um. You know, I'm a white. I'm white. Okja you know? is. <laughs> takes place mostly in the U.S. And yeah, he, but it, is, it has a word I've never heard, so I, I'm I'm allergic to that. I don't want to. I don't want to be challenged. Let me talk about this at the beginning. Well, I don't want to be challenged. I don't have any. You of don't want to learn the names of actors and movies you want to see. Learn. Learning is hard. Yeah, people don't want to learn. But no. he did a movie called Mother before Snowpiercer, uh, which oh, Snowpiercer. Yeah, that was good. Um, and. He is also he, did Memories of Murder. This? Those two movies, oh, Bong, Bong Joon Ho, like two oh, really? really great movies. Mother, Memories of Murder. I'm going to check the Twitter stream because it's not refreshing and see what are people saying. 
Uh, Tyson says, I look dumb. That's not true. What do you mean? Uh, oh, I look dumb? What is he talking about? He says, I look dumb. That's, I'm reading directly from it, and that's not true. Uh, what, that Tyson looks dumb? Or that you look dumb? I don't know. Could you just I'm clarify just the pronouns here? I look dumb. I said I'm reading it. Okay. Taryn said that, so John is going to show Coco before he shows Coco before Chanel. <laughs> should i should i show them in a different order yeah i think so, so i show i should show this animated movie about mexico and for my uh, uh film in american cinema and cl- american culture class and then but before that i should show this movie about a french woman yeah so uh you're gonna show coco yeah Coco is an American movie, and the the conflicts that go on are very very American, because it's about Coco. I mean Miguel, who's the the uh, wants to follow his dreams that are diverge from what his family does, which is to make shoes. Did you see the movie? I just saw it for the first time. Never saw it. No, you didn't. No, oh. I auditioned for a commercial to promote Coco. Well, if you'd done your homework, you might have been on that commercial. Yeah, <laughs> I might, might might have. It's a pretty terrific movie, but it's funny because it's a Pixar movie. Yeah, it's about music. Yeah, and but it's a Pixar movie, so it's not a musical. If it was a Di- it was a Disney movie. If it was a Disney animated movie. Right, it would have been a musical. Right, so the music f- is him playing and performing. Yeah, there's some music, but okay. it's not a musical. Like there's like three or four songs. It just seems strange. It feels very strange to be talking about music, watching an animated movie from Disney, <clears throat> and it's not a musical. So what are you going to talk about? What am I going to talk about? Yeah. Oh, talk about like individuality and uh, loyalty and following your dream as a as a American value. Uh-huh. Talk about family. I mean, it's about family and it's about American values. It's also about there's a, a plot that really is it's a journey, but it also is an unfolding of information so that what you think at the beginning of the movie is different from what you think at the end, which is kind of an obvious uh, way that stories unfold when you think about it, but if you don't think about it, it might not be obvious. You know what I mean? Right. Like a lot of times you have a plot where things happen and so that changes the world that you're in and then you have to deal with those changes. It's very linear. Uh, well, sometimes, but then but then there's also movies where things happen and you realize things so that everything that happened before is seen in a different light. Right. And that's also, I mean, that's that's kind of obvious that's what happens in narrative. But, that, but that's a, a harder thing to to portray you know it's easy to mm. to cause an earthquake you know but it's like a, a an internal earthquake is harder to to portray on screen yeah. you know yeah but it's but you have those revelations that and they have to feel like they're earned like um you have to realize that such and such a person who's standing next to you the whole time is actually your grandfather who and you didn't know that right but there's got to be clues to that or else it just feels like uh, a, a bullshit, you know, surprise that you spring. Isn't there a name for that? It's not Deus Ex Machina, but there's some kind of name for a narrative surprise that's kind of surprise. That's what it is. Yeah, you have to say it like that. Yep. <laughs> yep, like Rip Taylor. Rip Taylor, exactly. Um, I think Rip Taylor's in the. Is he in the Star Wars uh, Christmas special? He should be. <laughs> I I feel like actually one of the actors is basically doing Rip Taylor doing. Um, Bruce Valanche. <laughs> so it's pretty funny. Uh, Tyson says that he would rec- like to recommend Fitzcarraldo 
Uh, oh yeah, Werner Herzog. Werner Herzog. Herzog. Uh, I would also say, uh, what is it? Uh, River of Burden of Dreams. Burden of Dreams. Which yeah, is if you want to see an intense movie, that's a fucking intense movie. Like that is hilarious, and like Klaus Kinski is just batshit crazy. Burden of Dreams is about the making of Fitzgeraldo, right? Yes, yeah. yes, and so Fitzgeraldo is about the a, a sort of uh, a sort of entrepreneurial dreamer who's trying to bring riverboats to to the. He wants to build an opera house. Ultimately, but right. it involves hauling a giant riverboat over a mountain. In the Amazon. In the Amazon with, to get to a different river. With, yeah, with like natives. And, right. And so the... The way the, he faked that was he didn't. Right. So the <laughs> making of the movie was, let's build a riverboat and send, like carry it over a mountain. Yeah. And then and one of the things that happens in the movie is... Oh, do you want to give it away? People die. And then you find out that they actually died. No, they didn't. Did they die? Yes. Lots of people died. Like, because... Th- but they were native, so it didn't matter. Oh, okay. Well, fine. Oh, my God. I did want to bring up that one thing uh, before we go. There was a guy. Uh, this his, one time. This one time camp. at Bank Camp. <laughs> um, and his, now his penis was huge, okay? Oh, like, God. It was a reasonable. I'm not talking about yours. I'm talking about this guy from camp. You just talked about mine. I, I said I wasn't talking about. No, my this, penis. This Again, uh, missionary penis. Uh, was in, named John Chow. He's from, from Washington. He, uh, why did you gesture to me? Because you want like, to talk about Washington all the time. I do? Yeah. Washington, D.C. or Washington State? It's Washington State. Okay. He uh, went to Sentinel Island. I don't know if you know Sentinel Island. No. It's, it's like got a few dozen natives on it. It's like one of the last like remote uh, like islands in, in the world like where like there there's an untouched civilization there. Uh-huh. So where is it? It's off the coast, the southwest coast of India. Uh-huh. Okay. And so uh years ago like a ship was wrecked there and like these the people that were stuck there they were like uh we're getting shit pelted with arrows by a bunch of natives uh, can you please rescue us? And then another group they they kidnapped two children and two uh gra- their grandparents from the tribe and then took them away and then the grandparents like immediately got sick and died. And uh-huh. then, so then they like return the kids and like, okay, we don't want to fuck with you. So the big thing is like, if we go there, like, because their immune systems have been so isolated, they're yeah. super, uh, super susceptible, like, susceptible to, to just regular human So you diseases. can't go there now because you're I, sick. I, <laughs> yeah. Nothing can penetrate this stuffy nose. Uh, so this fucking dude, like this, this guy, John, John Chow, Chow, he's a Christian missionary. Mm-hmm. He took it upon himself to like he was going to bring the, the good Lord to to these people. Good Lord! Oh, that, I saw a picture of this guy, and he's disappeared. Is no, that what no, happened? no, he, he was killed. He was killed. Oh, he was like, killed. Yeah, so he went. He went twice. Uh-huh. And so the first time he went, he was, he was. Uh, sh- they shot arrows at him mm-hmm. because they they don't want anything to do with him. And meanwhile, the Indian like Navy they patrol around there to protect that that island, you know, because they don't want to people to go there. Yeah. This guy figured out a way to go there. They shot arrows at him, and he he, he says that he was saved because uh, the, one of the arrows hit his Bible, and so that was God basically saying that you were saved. Uh-huh. So that that was his impetus to go back. And he went back to bring the good Lord to them. Like, first of all, why are you going to bring a Bible? They're not. They can't read, and like, how are you going to communicate with these people? I guess the word of God is that that strong. 
Anyhow, he he was shot with arrows, and you know, knowing full well what was going on there, and he was shot by arrows the first time, and, and he sh- and Virginia. God saved his life with the Bible, and then he left, and then he went back, and God said, "What the fuck? Right, did you not hear me the first time, <laughs> dumbass?" Yeah, and he directed yeah arrows right at his face. So, and then like they're they're the Christian like his family or well, understandably they want his body back but it's like they they're not like they want the indian government to intervene to get the body back but mm-hmm. it's like i kind of feel like it's not really india this is this is off the coast of india yeah and when did he die a couple of days ago yeah they don't want the body back it's gross it's got uh, it's oh, warm yeah, down yeah, there yeah, yeah. it's but gonna be obviously you don't you know that like what about his soul what about his soul yeah is his soul in his body still what do they believe about that do we want his body back why do you want a body? It's just a sack of sloshing and junk. A, like, if you're going to bring God, like, apparently there were only, there, they don't know for sure, but they estimate that only 15 people are left on on the Sentinel Island, like, because they're, they're just dying out. Because of the, the cold that John Cho, Chow had when yeah. he went there? No. Killed him? It's, it's just, they're just dying out. And, yeah, uh, yeah I, I just feel like he, he should, they should just let him. Let him go and and let that the civilization civilization is going to die out. Those fifteen people are not going to be better with Jesus, and Jesus isn't well, going to be happier. That's because you don't think that Jesus is the way. All right, to get into heaven. Okay. If you did, then you'd have a different idea. So see Burden of Dreams and Fitzgerald, though. Yeah, and, and also I want to see that that uh, Morgan Neville did that documentary on the last um, uh, 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 Orson Welles movie. And then they restored the last Orson Welles movie, and both are on Netflix. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then uh, the other s- thing that everybody should see um, is that uh, that I heard is fantastic is this new documentary um, about the making of Amazing Grace in 1972 with Aretha Franklin. And um, is it called Amazing Grace? I don't really. I think so. It's it's only playing. It, they don't have a distributor, and it's incredible. It was made by uh, Pollock. Um, who was the director? Sidney Pollack. Sidney Pollack made it. But and I thought he's dead. Yeah, it was made in 1972. It was shot in 72, and they, they, they didn't, she wouldn't release it, I oh, think. And then her family. It's only because she died that they released it? Yeah, she wouldn't release it, I think, probably because she was sweating. Oh. But it's amazing, apparently. It's just incredible. Like, okay. she's at the height of her powers, and she's making what many consider to be the best gospel record ever oh. um, in L.A. Okay. And uh, so it's playing in Santa Monica and Pasadena for a week. And so I'm going to go see it. All right. Everybody see that? Like, because we all know you have time and you live close to Pasadena or Santa Monica. Yeah. All five of you who are still listening. Uh, And uh, let's see. So come see my play if you want to. It's called Special. I think go to. It's called Special. It's right here. I've got the postcards. If anybody wants a postcard, come ask me. I'm going to have these in my pocket. Yeah. Oh, actually, you can also uh, you can audit his class at just just go to Pomona University and Pomona College. Cal Poly Pomona. Just go to Cal Poly Pomona and just walk in. You get to watch the movie for free, Coco, and you get to uh, you know get a free postcard. And you know, I've been talking about my books. My books have sold. Did you know? Did I tell you this? No. They the first. Two years they were out. Uh-huh. I sold like six hundred copies. Okay. The past month, yeah, two thousand copies. Well, you're welcome. 
Yeah, thank you. And it's because of you, my uh, the lo- loyal listeners. And for the three who haven't uh, purchased it, what was the, what are the names? It's of called it? the Space Elevator and the Space Academy. And uh, please write a review. I'm up to 35 reviews. Okay, and, and that's uh, 4.8 stars on Amazon. And John Sylvain. John Sylvain is my name. It's S Y L V A I N. All right, and with that, we will uh, send us your emails. Uh, we, yes, our calls to action earlier. And we will see you next Tuesday. Bye. Last word. If that box. 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 This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio.